All right, let's get into our sermon this morning. We have a lot to get through, so let's just get into it. Last week, Alan really encouraged us on how to be strong and courageous, took us through the first chapter of Joshua, and I felt like that was a defining word for us. I don't know if you felt the, the, the 30,000 foot view of that. And I want us to continue uh, the rest of the chapter today. And while there was this call to be strong and courageous, right? That was Alan's call. Be strong and courageous. Melody helped us uh, with the kids this morning. Be strong and courageous. I want us to now take that word and not just individualize it. I want us to understand that we are called to be strong and courageous together, all right? See, the word to be strong and courageous as Christians, sometimes we take words that are preached on a Sunday or we read through the Bible or what we do is we just individualize what God is saying and we just keep it for ourselves. But as the people of God, we must understand that the word of God is not just to us as individuals, it's to us as a community, as a congregation, as his people. So, As we read through the rest of Joshua chapter 1 this morning, I want you to put on community lenses. I want you to put on togetherness lenses. I want you to put on the bigger picture of us as a a village or a community or as a congregation or as a people called out specifically by God, what it would mean for us to be strong and courageous, not as individuals, but to be strong and courageous as a church together. Okay, can we do that? All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read verses 10 through 18. And this is the rest of what has happened here in chapter 1. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days... You are to pass over this Jordan, to go in, to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Verse 14, your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Yikes. Only be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know if you did what I asked you to do is put on these, these community lenses, but there's some things that as I read this, I see that, that God 
is doing to these people, not as individuals, but as a community. And these are some things that I've seen in here. There's a people together on mission. I don't know if you noticed that, right? It feels very like, all right, like a whole army standing with, sh- with shields and spears and like there's probably thundering of clashing together and you know that feel. There's an all-in culture here. You notice that? The guy's saying, hey, whatever you say, we'll do. How you were with Moses, we will be to you. And and they even go so far to say, whoever disobeys you shall be put to death. Maybe we should start implementing that here at Southwest Chino. Just kidding. There's an all-in culture. There's a culture of corporate encouragement, of reminding each other of the promises of God. They said, listen, only be strong and courageous. Let's do this together. Remember what God has said to us. There's sacrificial living for one another. I don't know if you notice it, but a couple of the tribes who were promised east of the Jordan, they didn't really necessarily have to cross the Jordan. God already said, this will be your, this will be your promised land. And then Joshua says, hey, you guys that have this east of the Jordan, you don't even really need to cross to have this land. You're actually going to fight for those whose promised land is on the other side. And they said, yes, we'll do it. There's a godly leadership and then a willingness to follow that godly leadership. It's such a beautiful picture of a people in unity together on mission, understanding to be strong and courageous, not as individuals. This is what I want to be strong and courageous about. This is what I have passion to be strong and courageous about. No, this is what God has called us together to be strong and courageous about. Now, this is an Old Testament story, and often what we can do is we go, yeah, there's fighting, right? There's like wars and armies and like there's this this great group of people who are going to take out another wicked group of people. And we say, yeah, that's the Old Testament. Now that we have Jesus, we can all kind of chill out. We can kind of all do our own thing because it's just me and Jesus. As long as me and Jesus are good together, then it's fine. No, that's not true. Actually, this theme of us being strong and courageous and us being a community on mission carries even into the New Testament, carries into us now that we are sitting in the privilege of being found in Christ. And Paul helps us see that. And this is where I want the rest of us to dwell this morning is in 1 Corinthians We're going to fly through. This is a chunky portion of Scripture, okay? You ready for this? You guys ready? Say, yes, we are ready. All right, awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 12. And let's put on those lenses again. It says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ... For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Of the body, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's continue, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. You know what he's talking about there, verse 24. Which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. Man, if nothing speaks, or if anything speaks of a togetherness, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 here, right? You cannot get away from this. Now, there, I understand that as we read this, we, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you've probably heard this sermon. You've probably read this scripture before. But the problem is that the, the culture of this world is so radically contrary and opposed to everything that Paul is encouraging the Corinthians and now us this morning too. See, the problem is our culture, particularly a first world American Merca kind of culture says it's just all about me and whatever I decide to do is the most important thing about my life. I am the captain of my own soul. I get to choose what I do and do not do. And therefore, because of that, that's God's given freedom on me as an American. And we read a verse like this, and we somehow try to take that culture and shove it in to this Christian culture. And that's not the way it's supposed to work, friends. See, the way it's supposed to work is we're supposed to take 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and apply it over the way we think and allow that to determine how we live as, as people together on mission. So I understand that this thing is so radically different. And here's the thing. We need some truth bombs this morning, okay? Okay. So really what what we need is like little grenades of truth. And I'm going to just chuck them in the audience today. Why do we need that? Because there's all these walls of defense that are opposing this whole thing of unity in our hearts. And what the Holy Spirit needs to do is boom and blow up those walls. And I am going to probably guarantee that every single one of us are going to be offended today. All right? You okay with that? You ready to be offended? Yay, you came this morning. You were so stoked to be here. You just can't wait to be offended at church. (sighs) Some of the things I'm going to say are offensive to me because I know my own heart leans towards autonomy. It leans towards me being the arbiter of my own life. It leans towards me wanting to be the captain of my own soul. But God doesn't let us 
do that. See, the problem that we're having right now, if you don't, haven't noticed this, the church is on the decline. Not just, not just like, oh, the obvious COVID. Like, that, has, that has exacerbated it, the decline in the church. That has only caused it to get worse and worse. And for some people who are like, well, this is my excuse. I get to stay in my pajamas every Sunday and make pancakes instead of have to see people. But the church is on the decline anyway, even if COVID wasn't happening. That is a trend. And the temptation as church leaders is to go, all right, what do we do? What do we do? The the Titanic is sinking. What do we do? I know. Let's make it more comfortable for people. Let's let's make it more entertaining. You know what, Zach and Lonnie, we we need some smoke machines and lasers, and then that will really get people to come. And we need like uh, our kids' area needs like Disney animals and like I heard some I don't know where, who was telling me they went to a church where there was animatronics in their kids' area, and like it was like Chuck E. Cheese, literally. And I'm like, we could never compete with that. And the temptation is to go, let's entertain people. Let's tell them what they want to hear to get butts and seats. But that doesn't work because we are called to be disciples of Jesus. And when we compromise, it just goes down the tubes. It's like keto diet. Like, I have some friends that are rocking it at keto right now. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, you haven't been paying attention. And if, if Tim and Amy, sorry to single you out, <laughs> But if they say, man, we are hardcore keto, we're just, but, but, but every night we do pizza and a little bit of ice cream on the side. But we are all about keto. That keto diet is going to go, it's not going to work. And what we do in the church is we say, we're all about being disciples of Jesus. We're all about community, except with a little bit on the side that we like to prefer for ourselves. It's called compromise. God's not been, not, has not called Southlands Chino or any other church actually on the planet to compromise truth. And so we are going to stick to that. Oh my gosh. All right. You ready for these truth bombs this morning? You sure? All right. I don't want to get no emails saying, or texts saying, I cannot believe you told me. <laughs> I cannot believe you told me. This is what the Bible says, all right? All right, just, just, all right, here we go. Truth bomb number one. You are not your own. Let me say that again. You, me, we are not our own. Paul says earlier in in Corinthians chapter 6, he says, you were bought with a price. He says, you were bought with a price. That can sound offensive. Are you talking about slavery here? You're darn right. See, Jesus says, I bought you with my blood. You are mine. And not like this weird, jealous, possessive, but what he's saying, I paid for you because I ransomed you from sin and slavery to sin, and I brought you into a new servanthood of being found now in freedom, and I am going to give that all to you. Please recognize that, that you are mine now. So therefore, glorify God in your body. You are mine. And we somehow in the world think, nope, I'm my own. I'm my own captain. 
I know what's best for me. You don't get the final say. Jesus gets the final say. It's quiet in the room. You don't get to question Jesus. In a world that says, hey, you should question everything, especially the things that are old and these rules, you should question them. It's good to question them. It's not good to question God. Now, that, and what, don't hear what I'm not saying. Because in the book of Psalms, often you see David going, why God, why? We're not talking about that. It's like when Jesus says, hey, I want you to lay down your life. Well, I'm not doing that. I do. And when we talk about questioning, it's like, he must not know better. Like when your parents tell you something, or your teacher tells you something, or your boss says, they don't know me. They don't know me. Who do they think they are? That's the questioning I'm talking about. You know that little arrogance that's in our heart that says, mm-mm-mm, I'm not doing that. That'll mess up my plans. We don't get to question Jesus. You guys doing okay? That's truth bomb number one. Truth bomb number two. As individuals, because we are individuals, our commitment is to the whole. <laughs> Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Our identity as disciples of Jesus is that we are part of the body of Christ. Let that sink in just for a moment about who you think and who you understand you are this morning. When you think about yourself, do you think about yourself as a member of the body of Christ first? I normally don't always think that way. When someone says, hey Kelly, blah, 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 who are you? And I think about, my mind's computing, and it's going to print out this little digital code at the end, a lot of what it would say always isn't first filtered through, I am part of the body of Christ. Sometimes it'll say, I'm a husband. I think even my Twitter, which I deleted, thank God, it says like, husband, dad, friend, Christian, or something like that, right? It doesn't say part of the body of Christ. As individuals, our commitment is to the whole. And what we tend to do is think, what is best for me? What is best for me in this situation? What's going to be best for my 401k? What's going to be best for my weekend enjoyments? See, the church is calling this, this fast. I don't know if that really works for me. I love the church. I love the people. If you were to say, do you like this church? I would say, absolutely, yes, I like it. Would you even serve? Sure, I'm going to do all those things. I even go beyond. I'm more than a Sunday attender. The fast just doesn't fit into what I'm doing. I'm not feeling it, so hmm, I'm going to just skip that one. If I'm stepping on your toes, I love you so much. Not what's the best, I'm stepping on my wife's toes? On my own toes. Individualism, friends, is the way of the world, and the way of the world is demonic. You know what the conclusion of individualism is? It's being alone. It really is. And to be honest with you, sometimes my hedonistic dream, 
is to be alone. <laughs> is, I, I think I've shared this with you. My hedonistic dream is to be on some beautiful, deserted island that has a movie theater somehow, that has toilets and running water, that has food, just magically appears whenever I want it, whatever food it is, but I don't have to deal with people. That's my, in, that's my hedonistic, sinful tendency is to say, I just want to be alone because I don't have to deal with problems. I don't have to deal with people's drama. I don't need, to, I don't need any more of that, so I just want to be on an island that is self-sufficient. I have whatever I want whenever I want it. That's the way of the world. It's sinful. All right. And we've seen what aloneness has done to us. Depression, mental health, suicide, abuse, it is rampant. All right. Number three, truth bomb. You guys doing all right? Anybody get hit yet? I know I have. Number three, God is in charge. You probably already know this, but God's in charge. Verse 18 says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, what? As he chose. Not you, not me. We all think we could do it better. We all see things in the church that we go, man, if it was like this, I would, I would do this. If I was in charge, I would do this. Guess what? You're not in charge. Guess who is? God. I, we were talking about it in, in pre-service prayer this morning. We pray at 920 every Sunday morning. Just throwing that out there. Together as a people. And we get together and one of the things that came out was like, Jesus is the great shepherd of this church. I am not. Mike is not. Jeff is not. We're not the main pastors of this church. Jesus is. Jesus is the one who starts churches. Jesus is the one who closes churches down. Jesus is the one who tells churches, go left, go right, go straight, turn around and go get this person. Jesus is the one. And Jesus is in charge. And the problem is we sometimes say, I want to be the I. I want to be the I. I feel like I'm a smelly foot. I feel like nobody cares about me. I'm just stuck in a sock and a dark shoe. Nobody gives me any attention. My toenails are really long. Somebody help me out. I want to just be the I. I don't want to be the eye. I don't want to be the foot. I want to be the mouth. I want to be the one that just speaks this all the time. I want to be the thinker. I want to be the head. I want to be the hand. I want to be the one that does stuff. I want to be the elbow. You know, you can't feel any pain there. No matter how hard you squeeze it. I don't know what you want to be. It doesn't matter. Jesus has assigned to you your assignment. Get on board. Find out what it is and be excellent at it. And don't look at it somebody else and go, oh, I wish I had that gift. I once had a guy tell me um, he couldn't serve on a Sunday morning because we didn't have a puppet ministry. Yeah, that's meant to be funny. <laughs> I, I said, hey man, we, we really need people helping. Like, he goes, oh, what, what can I do in the church? I want to help. I said, we just need people like emptying trash cans. We need like chair. Oh, I can't do that. That's why? It's not my ministry. Okay, what's your ministry? Puppet ministry. All right, dude, cool, you know? Well, we don't have a puppet ministry here. What we have is people serving one another and doing this. God's in charge. Get on board. You guys all right? Okay. 
If, you, if your ministry is puppet ministry, God bless you, okay? That's awesome. We just don't happen to have a puppet ministry here. We have family chores. Number four, there is no excuse for individual Christians to not be part of the body of Christ. Let me say that again. There is no excuse, and I would underline no, excuse for individual Christians to not be part of the body of Christ. This is this whole progressive Christianity culture that has somehow sneaked into the church to say, I love Jesus, I don't love the church. You, you know you can't love Jesus and not the church? That's impossible. How can you love Jesus but not his body? Explain to me how that works. It doesn't work. There's no such thing. Well, it's fine. It's just me and Jesus. No. See, if it's just you and Jesus, then Jesus should be telling you, love my body. If, if you feel somehow justified in that, you're not following Jesus. You're following yourself. This is what Paul says. He says, there's two excuses we make. Uh, A, he says, I don't belong in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So some of us here might be saying, oh, Southlands is too, it's too white. Southlands is too diverse. Southlands is too young. You know, lately there's been all this emphasis on the young people, and I'm not a young person, so maybe I just don't fit in. Southlands is too old. You know, I'm kind of in this mid-range, I'm a young family, and I just, you know, it seems a little older here. I, I, I'm just, I don't fit in. Southlands is too socioeconomic, Southlands is too this, Southlands is too that. It doesn't, that's not the, that's not what God's called us to. That's not the excuse we're allowed to say. Oh, well, they, they worship to this kind of song, and I don't like that kind of music. Oh, they dress this way, and I, we could just go on and on and on. I don't belong. I don't belong. Yeah, or maybe it's even where the enemy has convinced you in your mind, look at, look at what you did. You've sinned. See, all these people, they're gathered here, they don't sin like you do. They sin, but not like you. You're a really bad sinner. You don't belong here. You actually, you need to get right with God before you start belonging to this community. You need to prove that you, you, you've earned your way into this community. Bunch of baloney. Guess what? We need you. You need me. I need you. We need each other. How would, how would, you, how would you feel if half your body was missing? Would you be a very competent track runner? Warrior, if half your body decided not feeling it today, we're going to war, but man, my arms not feeling it, my feet not feeling it today. I don't need that. That's not what God's called us to be. The other excuse is that we say, I have no need of you. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, we could say, oh, I don't belong because I'm this or I'm lacking this or whatever, and these people are different than me. Or we could say, 
I don't really need that. That actually sounds like a lot of work. That actually sounds like there's potential for drama in that. Mm, Going to pass. No thanks. I'll just show up to the things that I think are worthy. We're not allowed to do that in the body of Christ. There is no excuse for that. Zero excuse for that. Why? Because Jesus is the thing that holds us together. I get it, friends. Some of us don't like some things that some of us like. And it's harder to like go, hey, did you see that? That was really awesome. And then you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have that in common with you. And there's things in this room that we don't have in common with each other. Guess what? That's okay. You know what we do have in common with each other? It's, prob- it's the most important thing in the universe is what we have in common with each other, and that's Christ. So when we are tempted to say, I don't have this in common, he wears Converse, and I like wingtips. We go, guess what? We can both be in the body of Christ wearing Converse and wingtips at the same time because our identity is in Jesus, not in how we dress, not in how we think about our day, not in the food we like, not in the color of our skin, not in how much money we make, not in how our family has this many kids or this not not many kids or we're in this stage of life. All of that stuff is peripheral. Jesus is the center. Always will be. All right, number five. Last one. We are cared for in the context of Christian community. We are most cared for in the context of Christian community. See, we say yes and amen and we're like, that's why I'm here, but what if, what if I get hurt? What if I put myself out there and somebody offends me? Guess what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. If you have not yet been offended at Southlands Chino, you will get offended. I just, I'm telling you that right now. Some of us might be saying, I am here until. I am here until Kelly, Mike, Jeff, Ashley, Anthony, Marianne. I'm here. I'm all in, man, until somebody says something that hurts my feelings. Could you imagine if your own family operated like that? Savannah, I am your dad. I just want to tell you, baby, I am there for you. No matter what happens, I've got your back until you offend me. I mean, Marianne offends me all the time. Mutual. We just, today we're celebrating 23 years. Yeah, thanks guys. And to be honest with you, 23 years, it feels like it's just gone by so fast. But at the same time, it feels like I can't even think of my life without my wife. Uh, I I did get back on Instagram because you can't not Insta your 23rd anniversary. It doesn't count unless you've Insta'd it, right? And I hashtagged, some of you are like, what? I, I hashtagged my person. Because Marianne's my person. 
If we say this thing to each other, I said, babe, you're my person. She's like, you're my person. What does that even mean? I don't know. It just means like, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. It means like, we just, we're one. And after 23 years of marriage, I can honestly say, and she better be able to say this, that we love each other even more than we did when we first got married. Like, I like her more. I don't know how that works. I just like her more. She like. She likes me more, right? <laughs> it's become sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Doesn't mean we don't have our moments. Doesn't mean we don't offend each other, because we do. And nobody can hurt me like Marianne can hurt me. And if I were to somehow hold this over her head, oh babe, I'm in this. I'm all in until. I mean, I don't want to say this flippantly or glibly. But even if there was infidelity on Marianne's part, I'm just saying this. I would be like, babe, that's all right. We're going to work through it. She's, that will never happen. Huh? No, it will never happen. But I'm so committed to her and she's so committed to me that it doesn't matter what, what would happen. I'd be like, we're one, babe. We are one. No matter what happens we're going to fight for this and somehow we we just kind of go that doesn't really matter in the church i was really offended you don't know how how offended i was so i'm going to justify leaving i'm going to take my toys and i'm going to go home and i'll show them and i hope they suffer for it i hope they feel the pain that i'm feeling we that's not what church is friends that's, that's a corporation. That's fair-weather friendship. That's the way of the world. We cannot afford, especially with what God's called us to, especially with Jesus bought us with a price so that we could be together until someone gets offended. Think about how many times you've offended Jesus. I mean... He doesn't go, well, that's just, that's Popeye. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. That's it. He doesn't do that. He says, I've paid the price. It is finished forever. You are mine. You can't get out of it. Christian community, guys, is so much more than attendance on a Sunday. If you think that you are such an integral part of this church because you come and you sit down and you, you're here for an hour and a half once a week, can I encourage you to push in to community? That's why we're doing community groups. That's why we do community groups. That's why we do it. Oh my gosh. We are running out of time. We've already run out of time. If you're a disciple of Jesus... To be honest, you've cornered the market on relationships. You should have, because you have what it is. Okay, so let me just give us some practicals, and then we'll be done. You guys all right? You guys here with me? You still okay? Totally not offended yet? You're still like, have a smile sideways on the side of your face, just faking it? All right, let's push through. I'm going to give us some practicals on how do we put these in place. Number one is we commit. We Commit. This means people can count on you. 
This means when you say you're going to do something, when you say you're going to be at something, when you tell someone, hey, what can I do? I heard you're going through a hard time. And they're like, oh, I really need this and this. You're like, oh, cool. I'll be praying for you. You know? No, we commit to one another, even if it means we might get hurt. The reality is there can be no depth. There can be no beauty. There can be really no culture of trust and honor without commitment to one another. If we're just pseudo doing the church thing, we won't be the church that Jesus has in mind. This is why we do membership here. This is why, it's like, well, people say, well, can't it just, just be married without the piece of paper? All it is is a piece of paper. No, it is a commitment. And why we do membership? We say, we're formally committing to one another so that we could say, I know you got my back, you got mine. So when we do offend each other, because when it will happen, we go, remember, we committed formally to one another. All right, number two. We belong. Now, here's the difference. You might feel like this is the same thing as committing, but in committing, it's a formal like, yes, I'm going to do this because I understand intellectually I am part of the body of Christ and I'm going to make that commitment. When we belong, we do it because we want to do it. So I remember um, when I was younger, I was in youth and we were part of Southlands, used to be called Christian Chapel, and we would have 6 a.m. prayer every morning. And as a young person, I was given the, you get to go to 6 a.m. prayer on Wednesday mornings, because that was like the youth prayer. And I remember I was in leadership, and it was like, oh, Tuesday night, you're like, crap, I can't stay out till two in the morning. Because why? Because I have to go to prayer. And my youth leader would say, you get to go to prayer. And sometimes we think of our commitment to one another as, oh, I have to do this. And some spiritual leader comes by and goes, you get to do this. And we go, uh-huh, uh-huh, we roll our eyes. But the reality is we're saying, God, please turn my heart from I have to to I get to, and I want to belong. See, I have been married to my wife for 23 years, not because I have to be. I get to be married to this beautiful woman for 23 years, and hopefully 23 more, and however much longer that'll be. And if we only look at our relationships as like, oh, this is formal commitment. Got to do this. Sometimes it feels like that, and sometimes it is. That's all right. But let's ask God the, for the grace to belong together and to enjoy. We, we have a leadership um, kind of like, these are true marks of a leader at Southlands. And one of them says, we are weirdly and cultishly enjoy one another. We love each other so much, we think this team is the best team on the planet. It says something like that. I wrote that. Because I want people to understand, oh, it's not just like I have to be on team and so I have to show up and, and like we have to be at these leader meetings. No, we do these because we're so darn excited to be on team with one another because it's such a privilege. Can that be true of us as a community? All right, okay. Number three, we share and we serve. We share and we serve. We share and we serve. Family's got family chores. My kids, there's not one of my kids who gets to say, uh, I like being in this family 
and I acknowledge I'm your daughter or your son, as long as you acknowledge I don't have to do anything. If you were to walk in my house, and let's say Savannah, I'm going to pick on her because she's the only one that's here this morning, and she was like, yeah, yeah, that's my dad, that's my mom, but uh, I don't have to do anything. I don't ever have to like make my bed, I don't have to take trash out, I don't have to do dishes, I, but I enjoy being part of this family. I get food, uh, I get to the TV, I get to enjoy the TV, I get internet, free internet, I don't have to pay for the internet, I'm allowed to be on TikTok whenever I want, I get to do all this cool stuff, but uh, I don't have to do anything. You'd be like, your daughter's a brat. (laughs) This is why we have serve teams. We have a large percentage of people who come to Sunday mornings on a serve team. What would ideally it be for people who are on a serve team? 100%. Does that exist anywhere in any church? I don't think so. What if it were true of Southlands Chino? Could you imagine? 100%. I mean, is that acceptable for only 90%? Should we say, yeah, 10% of you, you just enjoy being in the church. You don't have to do nothing. That's totally what God's desire is. Or is it, no, we're all serving one another. We're all contributing to one another. We're all participating in the work that has to get done. This means we, we not only give and share, or, or give and share, but we share and give, and so we give financially. That's part of the commitment that God's called us to because of the mission that God has given us. We give financially, regularly, and consistently because God has given to us, and so we're in this thing together, and so we understand that in this thing together, God has called us on a mission. That mission is to glorify Jesus by being and making real disciples of Jesus And the reality is it doesn't just take prayer and good smiles. It does take money. And so we say, we're all in this together. You guys, if I haven't offended you yet, I'm sure I offended you with that one. Number four, last one. Some of us, most of us would probably say, yeah, we're pretty good at one, two, and three. We're probably pretty good at those. I've been in church long enough. Those are pretty decent. And I may need to have some work on some of these areas, but yeah, I think I'm doing okay. Number four is probably the one that is most lacking, I would say, in most churches. And it's that we engage in meaningful relationships. Most of us don't take this step. This is where we have to be real and we have to be vulnerable. You say, I'm real and I'm vulnerable with my spouse. I'm going to say that counts, but it doesn't count. What do I mean by that? See, while my wife and I are one and we are part of the body of Christ, there's so much more of the body of Christ that is part of who I am and me being part of that than just my wife and the only person that I can be vulnerable with. Do you have somebody in this church that you are real and vulnerable with? Somebody that's going to speak truth to you in love? Somebody that's going to call you out on your junk and say, man, I love you. Sister, I love you. But the way you treat your husband, the way you speak to your wife, when you discipline your kids, it's out of anger. And I'm concerned for you, not because I'm trying to like jot everything down and keep counting so you can feel stupid. It's because I love you 
Or are there people here that you can say, hey, I am really struggling with this sin in my life. I'm really having a hard time here. I understand that this is a problem and I I need to be accountable to somebody. I need help in this area. Are you in a real and vulnerable, meaningful relationship? This is where it takes guts and it takes commitment and belonging. You can't do this one without the others. We're not supposed to, friends. Church is not a place for shallow relationships. This is supposed to be some of the deepest relationships in the world right here. Do we have work to do? We sure do. That's okay. Are we working on it? I hope so. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says, We urge you, brothers... Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. This is, he gives us four things here. He says, number one, admonish the idle. Admonish is to rebuke. Kind of skip that one for a second. All right, that's a hard one. No one wants to hear that one. Number, the other one is we encourage one another. Man, if you're not encouraging somebody, and if you're not being encouraged from somebody, you're not in a meaningful relationship here. If you're not finding encouragement here at Southlands Chino, and if you're not giving encouragement here at Southlands Chino, what are you doing? It also says help. Help the weak. If you're not helping somebody, and if you're not getting help from somebody here, what are you doing? You're just playing church. And if you're not being patient with somebody, and if somebody's not being patient with you here, what are you doing? You're just playing church. All right. I trust I've thoroughly offended everybody here this morning. And to risk what Jeff always makes fun of me about is talking about the inner lawyer. I'm going to ask you if there's anything that I have said this morning that is not of God, that's not of Scripture, let's just throw it away. We don't want to say anything here that's not of Scripture. Just chuck it. And if you felt condemned or guilty, chuck it away. That's not what God wants to do. See, God wants to do, there may be areas where we feel convicted, and that's a good thing because the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into maturity. But if your inner lawyer is saying, mm, 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 I object, I don't dig that. Uh, I liked about 80% of it. Just go to God and say, Lord, that 20%, or maybe it's the other way around. That 80% was really hard. I only like 20% of that. That may be true this morning. You guys, we cannot afford to not be a biblical church. We cannot afford to be strong and courageous as individuals only. Joshua says, only be strong and courageous. This was a together cry. This was to the nation of Israel. This was to people who already had it made, and they really didn't technically have to do anything, and they said, we'll go fight for our brothers and our sisters, and we won't stop until the battle's won. Then we will come back to our promised land that we've already been given the deed to, 
and we'll find our wives and our livestock and our kids flourishing and we'll come back saying we fought a hard fight for what? Our brothers and our sisters. Only, only Southlands Chino, only be strong and courageous. That's who we're called to be. Please don't let this word just fizzle out. Amen? Stand together.